Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's podcast on Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and I'm here with Lauren Johnson, everyone's favorite nurse. And we're going to talk about blood sugar uh, this week. And I would say that it is a topic that is has a ton of information. Obviously, it's probably one of the most important things for our physiology, if not the most important thing. And so let's just have a good conversation about it, Lauren. When I say blood sugar, what is the first thing that comes to your mind that you think that the people should know? I think they should know it is probably the number one indicator of health long-term mm. and it affects more people than just the people diagnosed with diabetes or pre-diabetes, or even the people, including the type one diabetics, which obviously blood sugar affects them. It is, it is about having a steady blood sugar throughout the day and it being a source of metabolic control, metabolic disease. There's like 12% of the American population is metabolically healthy. Like, isn't that mind boggling? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Videos from like PE class from the fifties and sixties and forties. That's not just make you. I know. Like it's what wild is going on. And it's not just the food we eat because right. we're going to talk about, it's not just the food we eat, but that is a big factor. It's also the lifestyle that we're living in today's world and it's EMF. So Charlie, what, what do you think is one of the biggest factors for blood sugar dis- dysregulation? So I like how you started off by saying two things. First thing is that it's all about how steady your blood sugar is because we're so obsessed with the term diabetes, which is hyperglycemia, uh, right? It's too high of blood sugar when it really is a lifetime of the fluctuation from high to low that is metabolically trashing us. And so I love how you start out with that. And the one thing is most people, when they think of blood sugar, they immediately just go to diet, which as we'll talk about is obviously um, extremely important. And we'll talk about our food supply, all that type of stuff. But the one thing that I find that constantly raises blood sugar is EMF. And you and I have done a whole podcast on EMF. So for those of you who this might be your first episode or you've just kind of tagged along recently, check out our EMF episode. And, And the reason why I say that is because it is the most constant distress signal in our environment. And blood sugar is really a survival mechanism technically. And so what happened, the mechanism is you're around this EMF signal all the time. And what that does is it elevates your cortisol. Well, what does cortisol do? Elevates your blood sugar. So then what does your body have to do? It has to survive, right? So it has to struggle to produce more insulin constantly to keep the blood sugar in check because of that rising cortisol level. And over time, you'll become insulin resistant, which is means that your body is not utilizing insulin. And then you can't get blood uh, glucose into your cells. And now that is the hallmark of being diabetic. So that is probably the number one thing that I will always check on everybody, but especially my type one, type two diabetics for sure to see, you know, what's the main stressor. And a lot of times it is EMF. Yeah, I think that when we think of type one, just real quick about that, it's not a pancreas issue necessarily. It's an immune system issue. And why is the immune system not able to handle this? Why is it attacking the the body in that way? And so one thing I do want to point out that I just found out recently, a study reported seeing five new type one diabetes cases developing in patients heavily exposed to indoor mold 
in occupational medicine practice in a single year. Hmm. Um, I will include the study and I will say I found out a lot of this good information on blood work through one of my friends, um, Emily Morrow, and I will link her course as on blood work. If you are a practitioner or a, just a person, um, a practitioner would probably be like, find it extremely helpful for their yeah. practice as looking at blood work through an optimal lens. Cause that's not even ordering functional labs. That is just ordering blood work and looking at it through the optimal lens. Um, that's a really good starting point for any conventional practitioner. All right. So she, she pointed that out, like that mold exposure. And so that makes sense because it is, could it, that mold exposure like that, when the body can't detox it, it can just cause widespread inflammation and immune system dysregulation where it just can't fight off anything like Lyme. And then you have, a, and then you get a tick bite and then you can't fight off the Lyme, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and all autoimmune is, is the body trying to heal the toxins in your body and your tissues are caught in the crossfire. So a lot of people will be like, well, what if I was born with type one diabetes? Well, these toxins cross the placenta, you know, that you are exposed in utero to this stuff. So it is very much so um, can start when you're in the womb. And I've actually had people who have known who have developed type one diabetes 20 years into the life or 30 years into life. Yeah. And it's because yeah. they had an autoimmune reaction mm-hmm. and uh, it's wild. It's wild. It, it goes back to everything that Lauren and I have preached for a long time. And it really comes down to toxins that create inflammation inflammation creates a survival mechanism for the body and diabetes is the end of the road so to speak on that um on that inflammation train and so but again we really want to to say that it just you need to start now it is not a wait till you have diabetes oh and then all this stuff becomes relevant this is this starts now and so the goal is not the, the child who keeps waking up multiple times a night while yes, that, that can be parasites. And, but like, also what do they eat right before bed? Were they on the, were they watching the TV? Didn't have a snack or like a protein snack right before bed. And then they went straight to bed. Well, their blood sugar dropped and that's, what's waking them up. And so thinking about like the little things like that with a mom who is running throughout her day and is constantly fighting these energy slumps. And is it your blood sugar? If you monitor, if you go to some, you know, local place, Kroger, CVS, Walgreens, whatever, and get a blood sugar monitor or Amazon, whatever, and get a blood sugar monitor and you monitor your fasting blood sugar and then your two hour. And I can, I can put ranges that are what are optimal in the show notes. If you look at that, are you, and you monitor your blood sugar for a day, a two days, just, I mean, that's not, that's not even that much. Mm. You're going to get more information about your health in those two days than I think some $500 functional lab test. Uh, 100%, 100%. So what do you want to talk about next? So we, we talked EMF. We, we, you want to go into blue light? Yeah. So blue light is one of those things that it seems, and then just like EMF, and I said this in the EMF, uh, podcast, it, it seems overwhelming. It's like, how do you avoid it? How do you have your kids, especially the kids that are in schools that are using iPads, my children are not in a school doing that. And they right. don't even do that in high school. Um, because that is a, I think that is absolutely, 
detrimental to our children. I know there are apps and cool things on there. I know there's cool technology, but they do not need that type of exposure, um, especially given free uh, free reign access to iPads in the evening time, um, which I actually saw a lot in Will Text when I was doing them. And that's not, and they have to have access to YouTube and Google, and they are given free reign. Um, and that is a scary, scary thought. But so let's talk about blue light and how it increases insulin resistance. It suppresses yep. molecules that insulin that signal insulin in the liver. It alters circadian rhythm. Um, and it's just like, it's one of those things that's a newer thing that they are just never going to, because it's been such a gradual thing. They're never going to say, well, how do you, how can you prove it is from blue light? Well, you can't, if you look at the health of our nation over, or any nation over the course of the last 40 years, it's just massively changed. And yes, it's the chemicals and the stress and the busy lifestyle, but blue light and being stuck inside, especially during wintertime, that is a, that's a big factor. It's a, a big deal. And one thing that you said right there that I think is crucial to echo is this is gradual. It is not overnight. And I feel like a lot of, especially the United States, we look for instant gratification on things. So like when you take a drug that masks a symptom, you think it worked. And if something doesn't cause, you know, if you're exposed to EMF and then the next day you don't have diabetes, then it's not in your living room, so to speak, is what I always say. And so then you just kind of poo-poo it to the side. But it is a, it is essentially over time, it is a marathon, not a sprint. And that's what health, building health is not a sprint. It's a marathon and getting sick is also a marathon, not a sprint, not a short sprint. So uh, what you do now today affects tomorrow and the rest of your life essentially. And so yeah. um, blue light, you, you said that it changes your circadian rhythms, yeah. which is melatonin which is on another teeter-totter with cortisol. And so again, it all Makes comes down. Why so many kids need melatonin today right, right. where they are just daily cannot go without it because it's yeah. like, well, yeah, they're exposed to more blue light than we ever were as children. I know yeah. I had, we had all the movies and the TV shows as children, but like it, it's in a different way. It's in it, also from the Wi-Fi, the smart TV or the smart TV that's got a different lighting on the back of the mm-hmm. TV than we did as children. Like if you look at, that's why if you look at a movie from 40 years ago, it looks different because totally. it's different lighting. And so you, you need to consider that, but yes, yeah, sleeping for, this is interesting, sleeping for one, only one night with a dim light and a TV set with the sound off, which how many people do that because they don't like the darkness. And I understand there's probably some trauma there. There's probably some things to work through and I'm not belittling that, but TV sleeping with the TV set with the sound off, raise the blood sugar and heart rate of young people during the sleep lab experiment. So it is interesting to know that like, it doesn't, it's not about the sound. It's about the fact that that blue light is still on. And one thing that popped in my head, um, as you were talking is, the concept of low blood sugar too. Yeah. And how I would say that majority of us, especially in America, live in a hypoglycemic state, which means low blood sugar. And when that happens, your body goes into survival mode. You know, so so imagine your blood sugar drops low because 
we're eating too high of uh, carbohydrates that are bad carbohydrates, not enough protein, not enough foods that stabilize our blood sugar like animal protein. And or we go too long without eating and with our stressful lifestyle, our blood sugar drops and the body's like the body is an all or none type of mechanism. So it's not going to be like, oh, they, they just didn't eat for the last two hours. They're probably going to eat in the next hour. So I don't have to work for them. When you your blood sugar drops low, your body is like, I need to keep this body alive. And so it will secrete adrenaline to uh, to raise your blood sugar. So when it secretes adrenaline, the pancreas tells the liver to release what we call glycogen, which is just stored sugar. So when you eat carbohydrates, protein and stuff, anything you don't utilize, your body stores as glycogen in times of need. The issue is that the human body is seems to be always in times of need in this society. And so it'll release sugar, which then raises the blood sugar because that's the survival mechanism. And adrenaline is the initial um, chemical that gets secreted. But what follows about, they say eight to 10 minutes later is cortisol again. And so the initial buzz is adrenaline. Then the liver dumps the blood, the sugar, the glycogen, it breaks down glycogen into sugar. And then your blood sugar raises, cortisol secreted, raises blood sugar even more. Then insulin has to be secreted. And it is this process that happens all day long for years. And it is that process that I think creates diabetes because over time, when you have that type of uh, that insulin need, you become insulin resistant because the body starts getting flooded with it for too long. The body's like, all right, I'm done. I'm tired and fatigued. Yeah. And so it is when you go and you do lab work and your blood sugar is, you know, lower than say 85 on a fasting glucose, you think that's good because it's not high, but that is wrong because it is that survival mechanism that is constantly happening that over time, all of a sudden your blood sugar will start going above a hundred fasting above 105 fasting. And you're like, how could this be? I've gone to my annual checkups. I've, my doctor says I'm healthy. I have no symptoms. This is the issue folks. This is what goes on day in and day out. And I've, I probably preached this more than anything else clinically, because as Lauren said, we're so metabolically unfit. And this is probably the number one mechanism that leads to that. Would you agree with that, Lauren? I 100% agree. And I will say that something that you said is that you have no symptoms. Okay. Yeah. Here's when I had no symptoms of any blood sugar issues. I was hangry all the time. I was known by my family to get hangry and very almost mean when I was needing food. Does a child in your home get very hangry? And do they, when they, when you hand them the snack, they get, they feel more, they're back to their normal selves? Or what is that? Um, what is that? I wasn't me when I was hangry or, you know, whatever. Like, is this so <laughs> common that people don't even recognize it as abnormal? Um, if you're getting hangry all the time, then that might be something that like, if you have to eat um, or you you feel a little nauseous, you feel a little low energy and then you eat, um, you want more of a stable energy. You want more yeah. of the, you want to be able to be hungry. You don't want to not be hungry because that's not good, but you also want to be able to withstand that hunger and not necessarily feel 
like nausea and low energy and weak without food. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And, and, and the way, the way you eat the food matters, like you oh, know, yeah. starting with the protein. Um, I think glucose goddess has tons of hacks on, she, on, she has a book and all, and, 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 and obviously start, you know, starting with like some bitters would be a great thing. Um, but like, it's starting with the way we eat and then also sitting down to eat versus running around and eating, you know, on the go. Uh, yep. There's so many things like that, that if you even just instituting just little changes can make a big difference in your day to day. And when we talk about hangry, I know there's going to be some folks that are, their minds are going to go right to that old Snickers commercial. That's where, what I was thinking of. Yes. That's what yeah. I was where they're just, it's, that's, uh, it's America's getting programmed, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm hangry. Grab a Snickers, grab a yeah. snack. And a Snickers is not a snack. No. Snickers no. is going to trash your blood sugar. But this is what folks who watch, love TV and watch TV, this is where their mind goes. And so if, if, or if it's on TV. they'll grab a Powerade or a Gatorade and they exactly. think this is better. And it's just as much sugar as that Snickers. Absolutely. And so that comes more into the food supply and the seed oils, which is absolutely creating uh, diabetes in this country. Um, GMO foods, you know, all the all those types of things just destroy our mechanism of regulating our blood sugar. Yeah. And pesticides. I mean, I think that being in the wheat and in this country, uh, the different wheat. So we yep. don't use the same wheat that we did a hundred years ago. Correct. And that's why when you go to, and they, people joke about it, but when you go to Europe, you don't feel the same bloated and bad that you do feel over here when you have the same type of foods. And it's because of the wheat that we use in this country. And I am the first one to say, like, I love sourdough and I make sourdough, but like, it's not for everybody, <laughs> even the yep. good organic ancient grain wheat that I was using. And so, and like, it was a better wheat. It wasn't an ancient grain. It was a better wheat, Um, but it's still different than what they use over there. And so it is something to think about. Um, I know a lot of people will say uh, gluten-free, and I do think that is, is a, has a place. Um, but I also don't want you to go straight to gluten-free um, packaged foods because a lot of those rice flours will raise your blood sugar just yep. as much, if not more. Yep. And so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, foods. Well, that that gets that is like a day in my life of patience, yes. where it's like, okay, so so you're telling me that I'm reacting to wheat and gluten. Um, okay, so I'll stop that. And then next time I see them, they're like, well, we got this gluten-free snack, this gluten-free snack, this gluten-free snack, this gluten-free snack. And it's all corn-based. You know, it's, it's, it's all rice-based. It's all high sugar still. You know, is it not gluten? Yes. But is, is it still a, a carbohydrate that your blood sugar has to adapt to? 100%. And so again, the best thing to do is to eat animals, essentially, right? It's to eat animal protein um, and good fats and stuff because that's what truly stabilizes your blood sugar. Just because it says gluten-free does not mean that it's good for you. I want something that's naturally gluten-free. Correct. Like if it says that, I'm okay. like if it's that if it's naturally gluten-free, like you know, um, I think I tell my girls, I'm like, okay, is this food the way it was made? We want to eat food the way it was made, the way it was created. Did God create this food? Okay. Then we, that's a good food for our bodies that can nourish our bodies. Now, sometimes we're sensitive to even a food that was created. So like bananas, Um, but 
also there's another that's another rabbit hole um the, the bananas we eat today are not the bananas that were around <laughs> 200 years ago but whatever that's another yep. another topic sure. um but so we eat food the way it was made and then that and then if you have other things which of course my kids do of course we have other things but we try to limit it we try to eat mostly what the food, the way it was made, vegetables and fruit and meat. Like, so my go-to if my child's hungry or if I'm hungry is a beef stick or a yep. turkey stick. Um, and obviously quality sourcing matters. Um, but if I need something really quick on the go, that's what I hand them. Yep. I literally, um, our, our eight month old did not sleep great last night. So I was, I woke up 30 minutes before we're shooting this podcast. Oh, no. And so what I did was I grabbed, uh, Paleo Valley beef sticks. I grabbed two of them. And so that is, it's an easy on the go. It's animal protein helps your blood sugar. You know, um, it's very easy. It's there's, it's all about taking little steps and a little step like that can make a huge difference because a lot of people get overwhelmed by what can I, what do I need to prepare? Do I need a meal prep? How do I feed my kid when they all of a sudden get hungry and I don't have something on hand? Like little things like that can really help those situations. Yeah. Boiled eggs are great. Um, I love the, I know Dr. Charlie's not a big fan of dairy, but um, (laughs) like uh, whole low tip pasteurized or raw um, Greek yogurt that I make at home. Um, The skur is an easier one. I think that's where you say it. Um, What is it? It's a protein and one little thing. What's Um, it called? Skur? Yeah, SK. It's Iceland. It's Icelandic. Um, huh. Never heard of it. Um, it's Siggy's is the brand. Or they could get coconut yogurt. That might still be a little bit more on the like Coco June is a good brand. Yeah. Um, things like and, that. And, Sometimes and raw dairy. Raw dairy is a form of protein. Yeah, it, oh, it yeah. totally is. Yeah. Um, but yeah. some people just don't do well with dairy, and so and you many, just gotta. Many people don't. It's yeah. and that's a symptom of today's world because yeah. of the massive inflammation in today's world that yeah. we just can't break it down. And parasites make you, can make you lactose intolerant. Yeah. Uh, that, that's if you haven't learned about our uh, parasites, go to our parasite podcast. There you go. Um, okay. One thing that I think is interesting. I learned a few months ago is that high fructose corn syrup is processed with like the machinery. However, it's refined during the process of making it, there is mercury in it. Mm. and mercury is another thing and it's not just the mercury so like when we talk about these things it's not just the blue light or the emf it's 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 a little bit of each thing that's why i hate right. when people say the dose is the poison because we're getting doses of so many things yep. Yep. and so mm. just think you're getting a little bit of mercury a little bit of aluminum in the skies a little bit of, and if you have a question about that go to our kim Terrell podcast <laughs> not trying to link these back but i mean i'm not trying to do big plugs but that is there these are deep dive things that we can't discuss in every episode yeah it, it, we would be talking for hours on this but and- mercury does interfere with genes that regulate glucose homeostasis so like it's just everything matters it does. Everything does matter. And there is a reason why we talk about infections all the time. We talk about all these environmental toxicities because what organ, well, all of our organs, but what main organ of blood sugar gets attacked with this is our liver. Yeah. The liver has to detoxify all this, but the liver also is the main regulator of blood sugar. So if we have infections, viruses, bacteria, fungus, if we're being exposed to chemtrails, if we're around EMF constantly, our liver gets trash. Then what happens? Fatty liver. But I don't drink alcohol. You don't have to drink alcohol because we have so much toxins that the liver has like over 500 functions. 
the number one function is to detoxify the colon, essentially. It's, a, it's basically a detoxification organ, but it has all these other jobs. And so when we are filled with toxins, it's, it's, uh, it's taking up that pathway and then it, it becomes sluggish. It just can't handle everything. So then everything else falls apart. And that's again, where, you know, it has to release that blood, that sugar into your bloodstream. If that doesn't happen, hypoglycemia, then you get into more adrenaline and then it starts going. So I don't want to seem like it's, you know, we're, uh, well, we are kind of being, um, destroyed by all these toxins, but I don't want to make it seem overwhelming because it is all about doing something better today than you did yesterday and something better tomorrow than you did today. But this is just the mechanism of why diabetes is so prevalent is because it's a lifetime of all of this stuff happening and your doctor doesn't tell you about it because they have no clue how to help it. No drug will fix this. And I know we talked about drugs earlier, uh, Lauren, with steroids and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we give steroids for like literally everything in this country. I mean, I remember working in urgent care uh, years ago and you would give steroids for allergies. You would give steroids for a cough. You would give steroids for pneumonia. You would give steroids for back pain. I mean, you give steroids for literally everything. And it's like, why are we in such an inflamed state that we need steroids that wreck the gut, um, that raise the blood sugar? Those yep. steroids are, and that's another, oh, we, I mean, they, we give inhaled steroids, we give nasal steroids, we give steroids for everything. I mean, they're, they're in everything. And so why are we in such a flame, inflamed state? And it's because of all these little toxin exposures, little bit, little bit, little bit. And one of those toxins that we haven't mentioned yet is called an obesogen. Mm. Did you know that that is a real term? And that is, those are real chemicals. We've um, had to create terms because we're so sick. Yes. So obesogens are things like phthalates that are in, um, they're in fragrance, uh, they plastics they're in, uh, or BPA that is in plastics or BPS. Um, so anything like plasticky, uh, they're in personal care products, they're in food preservatives, parabens are a big one. Um, pharmaceutical drugs. Let's talk about birth control and how that might raise your blood sugar (laughs) and how many women are on birth control today. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. We haven't talked about hormones or birth control in a long time. We might need to go back and, and revisit that topic. It's a it's a big deal. You know, yeah. Lauren and I have said before that um, I would say the top three drugs that when we look back in 100 years, 50 years and be like, what were we doing? Birth control is at the top of that list, along with proton pump inhibitors. And I would say statins. I would say those top three. <laughs> Of, we were right. We didn't even talk about that beforehand. Uh, I, I totally agree. I totally think those agree. three just destroy us and, and yeah. steroids are on that list too. Cause we, you know, that puts us in a TH2 dominance. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, I'm plugging another episode allergy episode. Yeah. And uh, we've done episodes on statins and on PPIs guys. Yes. We like, we, this is why the, the topic videos are really helpful because they are deep dives. Um, yeah. and that's why I do love this format of the podcast so well, because you cannot go through all of this on an Instagram post or an Instagram stories. It's too tough. It's, yeah. it's way too tough. It's too, there's too much. Okay. So, um, flame retardants are other, um, obesogens and that's hard. It's in car seats, um, and yeah. furniture. Um, you, you do what you can with that. I wouldn't mm-hmm. stress about like buying a $5,000 couch if you can't afford, um, you know, the, the more expensive ones, but a car seat, for example, they have car seats that are pretty affordable that are, no, there's no flame retardants and yep. your child is in that all the time. So yep. that's one thing to think about. Um, pesticides are obesogens. So disinfectants. Um, so lots of sources of 
obesogens that will wreck the blood sugar as well. So Lauren, what about, so we talked about type one being autoimmune. It's really an immune system issue, which immune system has to basically try to go after toxins from the environment as we've just been preaching. But now we have this type two thing going on and there is a ton of people with type two diabetes and it is a lifestyle that we just covered. It is the low blood sugar to the high blood sugar, back to the low blood sugar. It is that yo-yo effect that destroys your physiology. It's not the low blood sugar. It's not the high blood sugar. It is this all it's the high day variability. long. It's, it has been shown the high variability of your blood sugar roller coaster that will impact your health outcomes. It leads to poor health outcomes. I talk about it so much that my kids say, we know we need to get off the roller coaster. Like it is like, (laughs) it is. It's a roller coaster and you don't want to get on that roller coaster. You want to be on, on an easy one. Okay. Exactly. Say never to have ups and downs, but you want them to be lower. You know, you don't want the big ups and downs like that. Yeah. Think of it as like, uh, I always go back to this analogy because I used to live on the beach in California. Think of it as the ocean. You want a very calm waves come in, waves go out, waves yeah. come in, waves go out. Does the ocean get pretty gnarly sometimes? Yes. And that is kind of when the waves get nuts, you can look at that as that's the effect of blood sugar in the body. That's, that's the difference. So you want it to be very rhythmic, um, and, and do the best you can with foods and things like that to achieve that. We will also say that emotional stress is absolutely critical when it comes to blood sugar regulation as well, because of when you have emotional and mental stress you have a cortisol dysregulation. Again, cortisol, insulin are teeter-tottering your whole life. So um, it's structural, chemical, and emotional. It is not just your diet. Just diet is a very controllable thing. And we always preach on here, control the controllables. Yeah, yeah, it is. it is. Emotions are a harder one. And it sometimes it'll be like the last thing you'll go to with the patient because you can't get it figured out. Like you've gone through all these things and you, and you're worked on all these things or doing the lifestyle, and then you still can't get quite get things figured out. And it's, it's typically emotional. Um, or if you have a patient that doesn't tolerate a lot of supplements or doesn't tolerate a lot of, a lot of things, you know, then you might say, then that's where, you know, you need to work on emotions and the nervous system first. Yeah. I'll always say that when we when we're doing all the right physical and chemical stuff, obviously the only thing that's left is emotions, but, um, the people who always revert back into patterns, generally it comes from emotions. Oh, yeah. That is what I find clinically. Um, and we can do things like essential oils, tapping. We've had, we've talked about that in many different episodes. Um, but so, okay. We're talking about, you know, all these toxins that we have talked about in previous podcasts that lead to type two diabetes. So now say someone does have type two diabetes. What can we do? Uh, some action steps for folks who are listening to uh, combat type two diabetes. So I think it starts with, well, obviously, okay. The the food, I don't think a keto diet or like a low carb diet is my first go-to. I mean, I think typically like a, a, much lower than a standard American diet. <laughs> yes. It might be considered low carb, but it's just whole food carbs. It's all context. Uh, Yes. Um, yes. I mean, the standard American diet, I don't even want to Google it. I don't want to know how many <laughs> carbs. I mean, over 300 probably a day or was yeah. it more? It's probably, it's probably more. more than that. It's probably more. Yeah. And so 
because you know, when some people think, oh, I have blood sugar issues, I have prediabetes, I have diabetes, I need to go keto. Well, when you do that, you might up your saturated fat intake a whole bunch. And because you know, oh, on keto, I can have mayonnaise and I can have oil or butter and bacon and all these good things. But you're up in your fat intake and your your gallbladder and liver, which is already stressed, probably can't handle it. And yep. so, and that can make you feel not so good. And so I would say that I would want to see whole food eating. I would want to see like protein, whole, uh, a whole food fat of some sort, and then um, a whole food carb. Some people that might be fruit, other people may not be able to handle fruit yeah. um, at the beginning while they're still maintaining their, or trying to get control of their blood sugar. And so you might want to look more, more of the starchy vegetables instead of fruit in the beginning, or like the berries that are definitely lower in, in sugar. It is, it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. And that's where I do think like a blood sugar monitor or doing like the, have you ever heard of levels? That's, I think it's a, it's a, you monitor it, uh, a, a continued glucose monitor. I think it's continuous. I need to look into it. Um, cause it probably wouldn't be a bad thing to trial to see, um, where mine's at even, but mm-hmm. the continuous monitoring can be helpful. I don't love the continuous monitoring. If you have a history of like becoming hyper fixated on these things, like on, if you could have a history of becoming hyper fixated on mold or on a yeah. top ticks or on the food you eat or on eating or on eating disorders, don't do that. Don't do it. Adds, it adds to your mental stress significantly. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. But if you are pretty like, I can handle, you know, it's fine, then, then maybe that would be a good idea. But just knowing where you're at, your blood sugar is at, like even checking it once a week for a day, um, I think that could be could be helpful information. So, so with foods? I know you yeah, yeah. would say animal protein. Yeah, so I, I, pretty much what you described is the diet that over the years, I've tried so many different diets with people and myself. You know, I've done blood type diet. I've done, uh, I've seen keto. I've never done keto myself. Um, paleo, obviously, carnivore. Um, and the one that I always settle on because it seems to tick the most boxes is the Mediterranean diet, which is exactly pretty much what Lauren described. You want to use good animal protein, good fruits and veggies, sea salt, olive oil, and keep it simple. Now, I would say that between that's probably my number one, but my number two with blood sugar would be carnivore. Yeah. And with carnivore, carnivore diet, because there's yeah, like that. I, yeah. So I, I would do with fruit, but see how you feel on it because yeah, it is well, different like per person. Honey. Exactly. And so, and there's raw honey in there. One thing I will say is with people with carnivore who like to work out, a lot of times it's kind of can be hard to work out on carnivore. So those people will add in white rice to their diet because it's that type of carb that gives you more energy for, for working out. Um, but from a leaky gut standpoint and blood sugar, I find carnivore people do pretty well. Honestly, clinically, even if they're doing the raw local honey, they're doing the, um, the fruits, uh, and you know, all that stuff, which then again, makes me go back to if these people can regulate their blood sugar, all these other toxins are equally as important as what you're eating like EMF. So if I had to choose, I go Mediterranean and that's pretty much what you described. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I I would do. I think saying, I think, I think a lot of people, instead of saying carnivore might like animal based, Um, I I think I tend to like that better. 
um, as a term. Cause I feel like, and definitely not keto. Cause like that is, I feel like people there's like keto snacks and desserts mm-hmm. and like all these things that food manufacturers have taken advantage of. And it's just not, it's not, that's not keto. Like that's not true keto. Um, that's yeah. actually going to help your, your life and your body and your health. And so sticking, you know, animal foods, animal-based foods, um, is the way to go. Um, trying to avoid blue light exposure in the evening times or wearing blue light blockers or computer glasses, which I don't have on right now, but you know, um, we're, but she owns them and she knows about them. I, I own them <laughs> and I'm going to get better about grabbing them before we record and before yeah, I get yeah. I've had to uh, always do it because of how much I'm in front of computer and and camera. Yeah. So it is always on my backpack. It is. It is important. It is an important thing. They are helpful. I can link the ones that I use in the show notes. Um, And I'm sure you can link the ones that you use in the show. I think, what do you you use Bond Charge? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I use. Um, So it's the same. Um, And my kids, you have the same ones too. So there's that. Uh, what's one the next thing, thing that I dive One thing in? I'll add to that is it sounds counterintuitive because of how I just said, you know, low blood sugar your whole life, but there is a time and a place for fasting. And one of the times that I will have people do it is in type two diabetes for the benefit of autophagy, which is basically your body starts recycling all this metabolic dysfunction areas and can rejuvenate your immune system a little bit. And so that is one time. Now we do fast when we sleep, um, but to, to have autophagy take place, it's usually 16 to 18 hours of fasting. And so sometimes I will have my diabetic patients do that. But besides that, if you're not diagnosed with diabetes, I just have a hard time with fasting, but I thought I should mention this is the one time where I, I would, uh, consider it with patients. I actually do agree about that. And especially because the one population I think definitely does not benefit from fasting is menstruating women. Mm -hmm. Um, they, I I don't think it's best for them personally. And I I have a history of it because that was like one of my first steps to try to heal my own gut. And I was like following the whole thing, doing it correctly, doing all the electrolytes, and at one time I was, this is when I had really bad reflux. I yeah. did a 36 hour fast at one point. Now, is it any surprise that my hormones were a wreck after that? <laughs> uh, no, it is It is no surprise. But in trying to heal my gut, I messed my hormones. And so that's okay. Um, You live, you learn. But I don't yep. think fasting is the best route for the, that population. But since a, the majority, I would say a lot of the people who have type two diabetes are older. They may not be menstruating anymore. Um, or men, um, fasting, I think is a really great tool and is, it, it really has been shown to decrease insulin resistance and, and really be able to help reset. I've had several patients reverse their diabetes with fasting. So yeah. And, 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 and quality food when they do have their feeding window, not just fasting and going to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Context folks, context. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you with, you know, fatty liver and things like that. Fasting can be helpful. And that is, I get so many questions on Instagram and in my membership. What's your thoughts on fasting? That is that what you just said is exactly my thoughts on fasting time and place. And this population of folks is probably the time and place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about foods. We talked about 
blue light, sleep, please prioritize sleep. Try even going to bed before 10 o'clock. They have shown that that hour, which I'm not Mm -hmm. perfect at. Actually, I am better than I would say most because sometimes I fall asleep at nine o'clock. So like I, I, I think that going to bed at 10 o'clock, if you are struggling with your blood sugar and trying to sleep at that, that hour along with, you know, staying asleep through till six, 7 a.m. would be really helpful. Even if you wake up yeah. earlier, going to bed at 10 and being asleep by 10 is actually really helpful for your blood sugar. I echo all of that. The next thing I will bring up is certain nutrients. Now we're going to get into supplements, but we will preface by saying these are not hall passes. No. If your lifestyle doesn't change, you are just wasting your money on supplements. And that's the thing. We, like there is like, there look, like you can have somebody on all the supplements there. You're not going to see the change that you want to see until you're changing your lifestyle. This is yep. the one disease that I can say for certain a supplement may not help at all unless you're changing your lifestyle. That's right. And and uh you can't out supplement an unhealthy lifestyle. Right. Just like you can't out supplement mental stress. It's the same thing. So here's some of the ones that I wrote down. Uh number one, B1. B1 is a carbo. It helps you process carbohydrates. It is depleted in times of stress, alcohol, and caffeine. Those things will deplete your B1. B1 also happens to be the vitamin that is your natural pacemaker. So when you have arrhythmias and things like that, remember the body is intelligent. The symptoms are telling you a certain thing. And so without B1, you don't have a natural pacemaker. I'd say B1 and magnesium together. So B1... Next is chromium. Chromium is a a mineral that has been shown to help with insulin sensitivity and blood sugar. Number three, inositol. Inositol is my go-to, one of my go-tos for nerve pain. It's also great for helping serotonin and just uh, emotional wellness and just feeling happy. Um, But it's a B vitamin derivative and B vitamins help stabilize blood sugar. So it's one of the ones that will help stabilize your insulin. The next one, and this is probably this and B1. It's hard for me to say which one's my favorite, but this is one that I will always check. Probably more than any of the rest is alpha lipoic acid. And again, alpha lipoic acid or R lipoic acid, which is the more absorbable form, um, is my go-to for nerve pain, especially diabetic nerve pain. Uh, But this is the one that will, in studies, have shown that it resensitizes you to your own insulin. One thing to note about it is if you take a ton of it, your pee will smell sweet. And so don't get scared by that. I've had patients uh, who I've put on uh, our lipoic acid, a high dose. They're like, yeah, my urine's smelling sweet. Is that normal? I said, it's absolutely normal. It means uh, that this alpha lipoic acid and our lipoic acid are doing what they do. Um, All of those are found in Regenerzyme Heart. So that is why when you hear me talk about Regenerzyme Heart, about blood sugar, now you know the reason why. One other one about it is it Regenerzyme Heart has heart glandular in it. And the heart is a massive regulator of blood sugar. Back in the day in hospitals, they used to know that. So they would do heart tests for blood sugar stuff. And the heart releases its own hormones. And a lot of those hormones have shown to be extremely immune protectant, but also blood sugar regulating. The next one is berberine, which I would say most people listening to this probably have heard of it. You've heard me talk about and us about golden thread. 
golden thread is a natural source of berberine. But the reason why I use golden thread first instead of berberine extracts, which I've used as well. It's not, if you're taking a berberine extract, I'm not telling you not to take it. But golden thread has all the other cofactors in nature that help berberine work more efficiently. And so I will use that. Uh, and then the last one is black cumin oil. So those are my top three for blood sugar. Black cumin oil as anti every toxin essentially helps regulate your hormones, helps heal your gut, helps build your blood, but it's very good for, uh, for when your blood sugar gets too high. So those are my top three. Yeah. I know Lauren has some favorites too. Lauren, what would you like to throw in? Yeah. Thiamine is one of the B1, um, is one of those that I think of, especially with that, uh, reactive hypoglycemia. I think that that is, um, really helpful. If you have a low eighty-eight, low LDH and a normal hemoglobin A1C, that might be a sign that you might want to think about some thiamin. Yep. I, um, have, I really like benfotiamine and the, the, the form of that. It's a more, it's a, the fat soluble form of that vitamin. Yep. So it's not water soluble like the rest of them, which means you pee out the excess. So it's something to think about. Um, but that is one that I do really like, but you have to do that alongside of magnesium. Um, and so I like magnesium glycinate or I will like, uh, chelated forms of magnesiums or different combination forms. I'll, I'll use different ones. I don't tend to use like straight, like magnesium citrate or oxide or anything like that, unless dealing with constipation. So B1 magnesium R2 inositol is, I mean, that's something that like can help with anxiety. And I mean, yeah. how many people have anxiety about the day and their blood sugar going on a roller coaster as well as just would be helped by inositol. Yeah. And so I, I really love inositol for that reason. And, and one then- thing, one thing I'll add before you go to the next one, um, is inositol tastes like sugar. Yeah, it does. And so a lot of times when I have sugar holics, I will actually just give them some inositol, some tablets to chew throughout the day to get that sugar fix, but it actually helps their blood sugar. Um, so it's very sweet. So kids can take it, um, for stress. And then also for your sugar holics, people who love sugar, give that a try, uh, because that can also help with that craving. And that could be helpful for gestational diabetics. We haven't talked Absolutely. about, we didn't even talk about gestational diabetes before the show. Um, but that is something that I think could be really, you know, helpful as long with magnesium and regenerative on heart, I think yep. are, are very big and helpful along with, and we haven't mentioned this yet. I don't know how we haven't mentioned it, but walking after your meal. So mm-hmm. 20 minutes of walking. Is And this is one thing. So I had, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before. I had gestational diabetes with my first and it was diet controlled and I didn't have it with my youngest. Um, and it's interesting that I, and I was diet controlled. I would walk, like I would have to monitor my blood sugar and I would walk after every meal. And I had no problem getting it down and under Mm. control when I would walk. And so walk as much as you can. I don't think if your adrenals, I don't think we've mentioned adrenals that much. Well, it's just where where cortisol is secreted from. Yeah. Okay. Just to make sure you make that connection. Um, But if your adrenals are really taxed and you have um, some of that burnout, I would be cautious with too much hardcore exercise and that actually can stress the body out and have the opposite effect on your blood sugar. But I would say to walk, um, gentle exercise, gentle movement, um, is very, very, very helpful for your blood sugar. 
And then I, the very green, of course, or golden thread. Um, I, no. I tend to go with things that are the way they were found in nature because that's how God intended. And so no. I would do that. I For golden thread, for me personally, I had to go really slow. And so I, because it's something that it, it it is a very, very good herb, but you might need to go slow. And so that's something to talk to your doctor about. Yeah, it's definitely strong. Um, one other one that I will plug in is we talked about like it's important to eat uh, you know, fats and proteins at certain times for, to help carb metabolism. Um, one thing that I will use is a certain form of MCT oil called lean oil. And we'll put it in the show notes. Um, and that's a good way. Like if my daughter who, I mean, all our kids love carbs, who are we kidding? Right. They will choose carbs over protein any day. You know, um, a lot of times we'll put some of this lean oil just into her smoothie or something like that, yeah. just to help blood sugar. Oh yeah, I do the I do the same thing. I'll put balance oil or I'll put um MCT oil from perfect um supplements. And so lean oil sounds like it would be another alternative. That yep. is a great way to get extra fat in our kids and help with more things than just blood sugar. And in you too. That can be especially now you wouldn't want to add a whole bunch of fat, like I was saying, if your liver is stressed and you already need to have trouble handling fat. But if you have trouble handling fat, you might want to think about a digestive enzyme. Yep, that's <laughs> right. And a digestive enzyme, like we talk about gastrodigest and CT zyme and all that stuff, that can help break down your protein more efficiently, which helps stabilize your blood sugar. Right, right. Isn't that and then if you're not if you're not breaking down your protein, you have a higher ammonia that can lead to other symptoms. And so exactly. it can all go back to not breaking down your protein and gallbladder and liver stress. And if we can just help a few of those things, it will help other downstream things. Absolutely. And, and if you want to take, this is where my mind goes. So say your gallbladder is working great. Now you're absorbing vitamin D. Now your T regulatory cells are working, which balances your immune system. And now you are set up for less autoimmune type one diabetes. There we go. And then we wonder what, I mean, it, that's what I was thinking I would do the post on. It's like how many people have these diagnoses and it's totally ignored, um, yeah. but it could all be related to the liver and and high blood sugar um, because like, and, it, or, and, and then lead to high blood sugar, which is the metabolic epidemic that we have today. Um, right. We did not mention castor oil packs. I love castor oil packs. I think for kids and for adults, for kids, like if they're on that roller coaster, it will take them off that roller coaster. I do start slow. Uh, I do start like 10, 15 minutes a couple of times a week and then move up to an hour or so. Uh, you know, even every day would be fine as long as, you know, they're tolerating it, it great. It's helpful for constipation. It's helpful for insomnia. Mm. Uh, it's helpful for so many things. Adults will sleep in them overnight um, sometimes, and that can be really helpful for insomnia. I've helped a few women with that. And I remember them th- saying like, you have changed my world. And it like <laughs> was just a castor oil pack. It wasn't me. And yeah. so it is one of those things that is, can be a really great tool and it can help your liver a lot. And piggybacking off of that, what have we been saying that diabetes and blood sugar dysregulation is? Metabolic dysfunction. Well, red and infrared light really helps metabolic dysfunction because when we say metabolic dysfunction, it means our mitochondria get trashed, the energy producers of our cells. And so red infrared light helps those significantly. Definitely 100%. And that's what in the, you know, I was talking about in the beginning with the wind going in the winter time, you can't go outside as much or it's too cold or, you know, it's, it's dark when you're outside before school or whatever it is. And using that red light in the morning and the evening time can be, or having a red light bulb, like that's in our, my kid's bedroom yeah. to, to uh, have a red light, red light in the room. And that is from Bond Charge. So again, we'll, we'll link the note, in the show notes, but that's and, really helpful. These are just little, little changes that you can make. 
And that's the what I was going to say before we jump off is when we wanted to talk about blood sugar and diabetes, if some people were just saying, okay, this is what I'll do, you know, these are the supplements I'll take and it will help reverse diabetes. That is not what we are saying. We hope that what landed for you guys is that this is a complete lifestyle change. Yes, It is diet, exercise, the way you think it is cleaning out the digestive tract of stuff. It is being conscious of EMFs. It is all of that stuff. And so we know this podcast can be overwhelming because it really like, like as we said, diabetes is the end road of all of the toxins that we've been exposed to and the American lifestyle that we've been living of stress. It ends in diabetes. So we have to look at it from so many different angles that uh, it's not just a simple fix. No. And we're also not saying at all that type one diabetes can be cured or to go off of your insulin. Please do not take that from what we are talking about. It is type one diabetes is one of those things that I have never actually said. I mean, a lot of autoimmune diseases can be reversed or put in remission a ton, but type one diabetes is harder. And it's definitely not one that I would say is going to go in remission and then Dr. Charlie said, you've seen it one time, right? One time. And it was a patient um, when I was in California and she was saying that she used to have type one diabetes. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. What did you do that now you don't have type one autoimmune diabetes? She said, I got a pancreas transplant and I'd never heard of that. I still haven't met no one else. I was like, I was like, where do I tell people to find a doctor to do that? Sure. that a, I mean, I've I worked in conventional medicine. I've never heard of them doing that. I think it was something else on top of type Probably. one diabetes that, that she was going through that then led to a pancreas transplant because it was that yeah. bad. And then all of a sudden it flipped and then she was no longer type one diabetic. Yeah. Fascinating. Probably. And she had, but, had to do other stuff to help the immune system, but I, that's the only case that I've seen. So that is, you know, I definitely doubt don't, anyone else. Don't tell, don't say that. We said that any diabetes yeah. is going to get cured. Uh, now type two can be, and is a complete lifestyle. I have seen people completely put themselves in like, go, it's gone. It's not an sure. issue at all anymore. And I f- firmly believe that your lifestyle is in full control of that. And if it is, whether it's your job or how busy you are, you got to look at the things and say, how can I, how can I reframe this? Even if you can't quit your job or change your job, how can I reframe this to where it's not affecting my body in such a horrible way that's going to affect my long-term health? Exactly. And I I have seen type two diabetes be reversed a ton. Um, One thing that I will say is find a good doctor who realizes that metformin is destroying your mitochondria and is able to help you get off of it. It's horrible. And they put yeah. it on everybody and it causes yeah. so much diarrhea. Um, yeah. That drug is, I, I don't understand it. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. And so when you're on it for, I've had patients come in and they've been on it for 30 years, oh. much harder to get off, much harder to get off, but still possible. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, just your last saying that you love yes. ending off with. This is not meant to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider before changing anything. See you on the next one. All right.